Panthers Insider continues this morning. Happy 4th of July weekend to you all out there. Joined now by who I I see as the most comprehensive, provides the most comprehensive coverage of ACC football on social media, on the web. You can find him at a David Hale joint from ESPN. David, good morning. Happy 4th of July weekend, my man. Hey, right back at you. So I appreciate you making time this morning. We're eight Saturdays. We got eight Saturdays left without football, without college That's football. Crazy. It's crazy, man. And you're getting into these positional rankings. You got me juiced up. Let's talk big picture ACC right now, just to start things off. How do you see the ACC in terms of tiers? Where, where would you tier teams right now as you head into this 2023 season on who has a chance to make a run for the ACC championship in this new no-division model? Right. I, I, look, it's fascinating because some of these schedules – like, I'm not a big – preseason schedule analyzer I think we tend to not necessarily know you know you would have thought Duke was a pushover last year at this time and they win nine games and and hardly were a pushover so I tend to not buy a lot into that but you look at a team like Louisville who has really made out well by having uh, the no divisions and and the way that their schedule sets up on the other hand you know Duke is a good example of a team that I think got absolutely screwed on their schedule after having a pretty easy last year so some of that plays into it. But just looking big picture, I think you'd be foolish not to say that the top tier is Clemson and Florida State. It just is. Uh, I'm not guaranteeing either of them lives up to all of the hype, but I think that, that those are clearly the two most talented, most experienced teams. I think the real interesting conversation is sort of that next group, and I think you can kind of split it into two two tiers of – um, one, which is, I think, the relatively high floor, I'm not sure how high their ceiling is uh, group, which I would probably put Pitt into along with maybe NC State and, and Wake Forest, where I think they're, they're going to be good teams. I, I'll be surprised if they turned out bad. I just don't know if they've got that uh, enough to be sort of elite, win the league type of thing. The other side of that coin, I look at a team like North Carolina, which they were so bad in so many areas last year, but still made an ACC championship game, still have Drake May. The ceiling seems high, but the floor might be low. I would probably put Miami in that category and maybe Louisville as well. Um, so that's sort of where I would stack up sort of the contenders. Um, and then after that, you know, it's some mix of, I think Duke is probably a bowl team, but they have a tough schedule. Georgia Tech, they made strides last year. I'm not sure quite where they are along the line towards getting a bowl. I'm sure a bowl would be a, a great outcome for them. Um, you know, I, I, that's kind of where I see the lead. I think the Virginia teams are probably in a tough spot still, Virginia in particular. Boston College is one that sort of stri- strikes me as I think there's a lot of room for improvement. They could, I don't know if they're going to win nine games like Duke did, but I think that might be the team that sort of follows that Duke model that if the schedule sets up right and things fall into place, that, that they have an opportunity to be much better than they were last year. I could see them in the bowl picture too. So that's kind of my you know, 3,000-foot view of the league at this point, but I should probably be convinced to change my mind on a number of those things. <laughs> Yeah, well, David Hale joins us on the on the Panthers Insider program now, and I think there's, there's probably not a better 3,000-foot view of the ACC, and we appreciate that that analysis. When it comes to Pitt, you mentioned them, I think, fairly in that, you know, 
upper upper echelon of the second tier right now. You're not you're sure what the floor is. You're not sure what the ceiling is. What are some of the questions uh, about the Panthers? You know, this is obviously a, a team that won an ACC championship in 2021. By all accounts, had a disappointing 2022 based on expectations, but still has won 20 games in two seasons. What are some of the questions you have uh, about this team before we start talking about some strengths? Yeah, I think, look, I, I, I don't really question necessarily the defensive front because I think Pat Narduzzi has churned out one good defensive front after another after another. But there is a lot of turnover in that group from some really – impactful veterans over the years. So I think there's, it's, it's a reasonable question of whether they're going to be great, whether they're going to be good, whether they're going to be above average. I think, you know, there's a range there. Um, I would be surprised if it was a bad unit. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I do think that, you know, matching Kalijah Kansi level production is also a lot to ask. I think the de- on, on defense in general, and this is a, a conversation I've had with Pat is like, um, you know, Dennis was such a, a impactful leader on the field, off the field, the voice, the personality. I don't know if you've got that guy, if that guy emerges, or if it's several guys that kind of fill that role. I, I don't. I think you need to have somebody though who is sort of the centerpiece that everybody looks to. And I don't know if they've got that yet. And, and then I think, look, I think. Phil Dracovic has all the talent in the world. I think he is a big upgrade from what was not really a great overall QB performance last year from Keaton Slovis. I think that all of that should look good, but it's been a while since we've seen Phil Dracovic at his best. And that's, that's not entirely his fault. He dealt with injuries and he dealt with an absolutely atrocious offensive line at Boston college last year. But I, I do think there is a valid question there until we see it on the field. So again, I look at all of those things and I say, I don't have big questions. I just, there's stuff we don't know. And that's, that's reasonable this time of year. There's no doubt. And and those are the same, you know, questions that, you know, as, as I prepare for the season and take a look at this roster that you start to ask yourself or, you know, what positions need to grow up fast defensive line being one of them and what positions do you need to have a return to form? And, this team is going to depend on Phil Dracovic being the 2020 Phil Dracovic that runs around and makes plays. But that being said, your positional rankings I find fascinating. Not not just the the rankings themselves, but the analysis of each school and each position group. You rank the pit defensive backs high, although there are questions about losing Brandon Hill and and Eric Hallett. What is it about this pit secondary uh, that impresses you, especially given how they play? Well, one, I my initial concern again was if you don't have quite the pass rush that you had before, I mean, all of this is is sort of a puzzle that one thing affects the next. And so, what happens if you don't have the pass rush success that you had last year? What does that mean for the secondary? And just in digging into the numbers, when when Pitt wasn't getting pressure on the quarterback last year, their secondary still held up really, really well. So I think that's a big plus for this group. Two, you've got just two really um, veteran, uh, successful guys in Devonshire and, and Marquise Williams. I mean, th- those guys have played a lot of snaps. Uh, and I think that it's, it's hard to uh, undervalue experience in the secondary, guys who understand how to play the position and, and can bounce back after uh, a bad play and, and get back at it. 
So I, I, I think the value of experience there can't be can't be undersold. And look, I, I, you're right. There's some names that they've got to replace as well. But um, again, that, that's a position where even the the sort of next year coming up, it's not a bunch of freshmen for the most part. I mean, they've got guys who've played some snaps. So I feel pretty good about the secondary, and I feel pretty good about the secondary whether or not the um, the defensive front is elite or just pretty good. I think the secondary is in good shape. No doubt. Taking a look at this pit schedule, open with Wofford. Talking to David Hill from ESPN, by the way, on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Cincinnati, West Virginia, intriguing local matchups. And then they hop right into ACC play with North Carolina. Got to find out a lot about this defense during that game, I would anticipate. But there's a run, David, in the middle, late part of October that I think will tell us all we need to know about this pit team. And I want to ask you about the first two games in that stretch. But one at home, one on the road. Louisville, Wake Forest, then at Notre Dame and host Florida State on November 4th. Tell me about Louisville and Wake Forest. Both schools obviously dealing with some transition. Louisville at the coaching position. A lot of people coming. Uh, you know, obviously Jeff Brom coming back home. Wake Forest, no Sam Hartman. What do you expect to see from the from the Cardinals and and the Demon Deacons? Yeah, Louisville is probably the team in the ACC that I feel like you could almost pick a number of wins, and I'd say yeah, that's possible. I'm not, not going to argue with you on it because there's so much unknown. I, I, I know that fans there are thrilled about Jeff Brom. They think this is a uh, home run hire. They think it's going to fix a lot of things. And it's funny to talk about them fixing a lot of things. They did win eight games last year. Right. Um, There is a lot of transition on that team at coaching staff, of course, but quarterback. um, And and I I was out there in the spring and watched them a good bit. Jack Plummer looks real good. I think that's a good fit for them, but it is – um, night and day different than what we've seen from Louisville for a long time, going from Lamar Jackson to Malik Cunningham, where it was two, not just mobile quarterbacks, but really sort of magician type of mobile quarterbacks. Uh, there's a, a bunch of turnover on the offensive line. There's a bunch of turnover at receiver. There's a bunch of turnover on the defense, particularly in the, in the secondary. I mean, I, I like a lot of the guys that they brought in via the portal. I mean, there's some, I think genuine reclamation type of products. They, they've got Storm Duck and uh, and Cameron Kelly from from North Carolina who had some real highs at some point in their career, but it looked pretty bad last year and the year before. Um, you've got uh, Jamari Thrash coming in from uh, Georgia State at receiver. I think he looks really good. They brought in a kid from um, uh, from uh, was with Dion last year, Jackson State. He looked really good. Again, it's just there's so many things that are unknown there. I think there's a lot of upside with Louisville, but sometimes those things don't gel and they can go the other direction. So I could see almost anything from from Louisville. I'd probably, if I was Pitt, I'd probably rather have them before October 14th. Um, But, you know, you'll have a better idea by then of of who Louisville is. Wake's a team that I think they just – Dave Clawson's got that program – at a point where they are who they are. I mean, you're going to have your years where they can jump up and win 10 or 11 like they did a couple of years ago. But I, I don't see this as a team that's going to regress down to like three or four wins anymore. There's just too much good talent that comes through there. And they're very high on uh, Mitch Griffiths, the new quarterback. They, the, the way that I have heard folks talk about it is, is quarterback is the least of their concerns there, despite Sam Hartman moving on. Um, to me, the biggest thing, they've got to identify 
some way to run the football better than they have the last couple of years. And I think that's where, where Pitt can have a real advantage against Wake Forest. If they're not able to run the football, I, I, Pitt's not a defense you want to be one-dimensional with. And, and so I, I think that's a good matchup for them. But, you know, the other thing is when you go into that stretch, it's, you've got Notre Dame and, and Florida State coming after that. That's not a lot of fun right there. And it's got to be a very sort of week-to-week mentality. You can't start looking ahead and saying, hey, we, you know, Notre Dame and Florida State, these are preseason top 10 caliber teams. We need to be prepped for them. Louisville and Wake are both teams that can win those games too. No doubt, no doubt. Talking to David Hill, wrapping things up. We went at 3,000 feet to start. We're going to go about 25,000 feet to finish with you, David. New, new uh, schedule model for the ACC, no divisions. College football playoff expands here in, in just over a year's time. And everyone's talking about conference realignment. From your vantage point, how how stable is the ACC, if that's a thing anymore? And what do you expect to see in the coming years in terms of realignment of the ACC's positioning in college football? Yeah, stability is a very relative term at this point. I don't think there is something big about to happen in the next you know few months, maybe even a few years. I, I, I look at, at the, the general well-being of the league, and the fact of the matter is it, it is – no matter how much anybody wants to tell you otherwise, it is a business and business is not great for the ACC, particularly when it it comes to comparing them to their peer conferences and the SEC and the big 10. And so you've got to find a way to bridge a gap financially. I'm not breaking any news here, but the problem is there really is not a good way to do that uh, in, in any sort of relative sense. I mean, you, you might be able to add more money to the ACC, but it is likely something that will also be added to the SEC and Big Ten. So we talk about playoff expansion, and, and that will bring more money in. That's true. It's probably going to bring even more money into the SEC and the Big Ten, though. So you really haven't made up any ground. Um, and I think at the end of the day, there will be a tipping point in which some programs are going to say, we don't have a good option here. We've got to choose the best of bad options, and that would be trying to find a way to break the grant of rights. And when that happens, I don't know how that story ends, but it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be uh, a really unpleasant time for everybody in the league and, and in college football in general. Well, David, I can't thank you enough for your perspective this morning, for joining us bright and early. Hope to talk to you this season. Enjoy your eight Saturdays uh, off, and then uh, we'll get cracking here come the fall. Thanks, thanks again for, for joining us, and happy 4th of July. Right back at you. Thanks. Good talking to you. There he goes. David Hale from ESPN.